Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Mike Quigley of Washer. Washer released their third LP, Improved Means to Deteriorated Ends, last week on Exploding in Sound Records, and Quigley is here to talk all about it. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time here, This is a podcast I started in 2016 as a way to interview people just like Mike. Creative folks who inspire me, and I thank you for joining us this week. Thanks to all who are subscribing to this show on your podcast player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com, and check out our YouTube page, at betteryetpod. How are we doing today? I'm drinking that Dagger Mountain coffee daggermountain.com follow them on instagram at dagger mtn coffee my favorite coffee roaster in the u.s of a right here in valparaiso indiana the home of better yet since october of 2020 let me take a moment here to plug my latest web development project riffin Riffin riffin.io riffin is a guitar tablature sketch pad built by yours truly along with a small development team of amateur guitar players who grew up using websites like Ultimate Guitar and 911 Tabs to learn how to play our favorite songs on guitar and bass. We built Riffin with a little bit more focus on the editor. Our custom-built editor is sharp and intuitive, a great way to write out your song ideas and store them safely and securely with our AWS serverless backend. Check it out, riffin.io. A reminder to you all that I'm a full-stack developer for hire. Betteryetpodcast at gmail.com or tim at betteryetpod.com to get in touch with any web development, podcast, editing, hosting opportunities. Hit me up, tim at betteryetpod.com. How we doing, Bubba's? Fun interview for you all this week with Mike Quigley of Washer exploding in sound records bringing the heat with his new washer record improved means to deteriorated ends a fun conversation to listen back to for yours truly i've been talking a little bit about it during the past couple of weeks of interviews but we're talking about it a lot this week no not chat gpt no we're talking about mental health recently i was diagnosed with bipolar disorder Maybe you noticed how enthusiastic I was talking to Bob Mayer a few weeks ago or Blue from Diners when I invited a bunch of other people on for no apparent reason. Um, I was experiencing a manic episode for some time in January and March right after we came back from our hiatus. And I was encouraged by my partner and my friends and family to seek treatment. And I did. And it's brought on so many positive changes in my life. You can hear the difference. A lot of good things to report. Um, Positive changes, though, when it comes to depression are always kind of relative. And I have been experiencing depression lately, just feeling kind of zapped, feeling the swing of this bipolar. You know, in the past, that's meant doing things like going on hiatus for 18 months or just, you know, pushing through the darker weeks. But I'm doing it different now, just doing my best to take things a day at a time. So sending love out to everyone this week, especially those who are 
seven to work extra hard to put up the bare minimum. All right, let's get a bit of that podcast intro energy back up in here to introduce my guest this week, Mike Quigley of Washer. Washer is a two-piece band from Brooklyn, New York, split now between Brooklyn and Philadelphia, where Quigley is now living. Quigley and Kieran McShane are childhood friends from Long Island who started Washer 10 years ago, and they've released splits with Big Ups, Flagland, and our good friends in Bethlehem Steel. You can also hear a lot of our friend Becca Raskolchik on the new Washer album, Improved Means to Deteriorated Ends, recorded up in Vermont with great Nick Dooley. The record is another addition in a line of great records from Washer. The tones on here are phenomenal. Songwriting is top-notch. Quickly lays his heart out on this thing, too. We had much to discuss, uh, including uh, my band, Dryer, because I think Washer Dryer is going to be a perfect combination for a package tour somewhere down the line, but we'll uh, we'll leave that for the future. <laughs> um this is a great interview i'm really excited to share it with you all this week we'll be back next week thank you for subscribing and leaving a review do that right now uh here's me and mike quickly i'm no good on my own my entire bit is that we're best friends like everybody (laughs) so yeah yeah when I when I'm introducing uh, myself and my guest this week, Quigley of Washer, how you doing, Quigley? <laughs> yeah, Good to see great. you. <laughs> Welcome to Better Yet. Um, yeah, I'm I'm starting to lead a little bit more with like I'm going to talk about you. Like you and I are best friends. Just don't feel too weird about it. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. <laughs> So you're coming to us from where? You're coming to us from somewhere in New York, right? From Philly, actually. I live in Philly. Oh, you're in Philly. How long have yeah. you been in Philly? Um, 2017, so five and change years. How you liking it? Yeah. It's great. Love it. Dude, this is going to be yeah. great for our for our new relationship as best friends because I already <laughs> have my calendar marked to come out to Philadelphia for oh, WrestleMania no next year. Cool, dude. Yeah. Dang. I just announced it. I'm going to hang out. That I think that I'm going to probably end up seeing your label mates and Jobber. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll book a show like in Philly for my band, Dryer. Which, how about that? Look Name that. of my band, my new band, is Dryer. And I'm talking to the dude from Washer. Match made in heaven. Truly, indeed. See, ours okay. is spelled like the director, uh, Theodore Dreyer. I don't know if you've ever seen. Any, anyway, your band, Washer, <laughs> has been a band for like ten, like at least 10 years more than my band, Dreyer. So let's talk a little bit more about Washer. But no, uh, so how are you enjoying <laughs> Philadelphia? I love it out there. It's great. I love it. Um there's great fucking bands here, an insane amount of good bands here. And yeah, it's man. Here and sick. <laughs> I'm hearing new bands too from out That's there good... that I'm like, oh my God. Still, Crazy. still like thriving. Um, oh, but... I think there's a, a, I think a lot of folks are thriving and like kind of picking up steam post, post pandemic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was in Chicago last night. I saw two shows. Saw Callie Malone at um, the Bohemian National Cemetery. I don't know if you're familiar with Callie Malone, but she's a noise artist. She's got a lot of like minimalist, kind of contemporary classical droney things. Cool. Uh, She was turning those knobs last night. We were sitting in the chapel, and it was fucking dope. And then I saw Emma Ruth Rundle at Talia Hall. But cool. I'm starting to thrive a little bit post-pandemic with going back to shows. Yeah. And it sounds like you all are thriving out there in Philadelphia. You and Kieran. Yeah. Is he so out Kier- there too with you? Are you playing like 
together in Philly? He, he lives in Queens in Ridgewood. Um, oh, hell yeah. Know. He's in Queens. Yeah. So we started there and um, lived in Brooklyn and stuff. And then uh, I moved here like five years ago, but he's still up there. So we kind of split time and go back and forth to practice. Hell yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, because you're not that far at all. No, it's fine. So um, you and you and um, Karen spent time out in uh, New York together. Did you grow up there? We both grew up in the same town uh, on Long Island, uh, actually. Oh, wow. And, um, so, like, we met as kids, and then um, he went off to, like, Catholic school, and I went to public school, and so then we like became friends again when we both went to the same college and had a bunch of mutual friends from home that all went there too. So now what part of long Island are we talking about? Um, West Islip is the town. It's uh, Suffolk County on the South shore, like midway out. I know Suffolk County. Uh huh. Uh, I think uh, (laughs) Laura Stevenson, Mike Campbell um, Mm -hmm. are from around that part. I feel like when I think, uh, when I think of long Island, I think of like, Dunkin' Donuts coffees and uh, menthol cigarettes. Is that, is that, that's about right. Am I right? Yeah, that's fair. I would I would think like Seven Eleven and and menthol cigarettes. But there you go. More than Dunkin'. Dun- Dunkin' to me is like real New Englanders. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, fucking. <laughs> I know, I know the type you're talking about. These <laughs> these uh, upper crust. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so you grew up in Long Island. Was there a lot of music in the house? Um, not a ton. Oh, we listened to music and stuff, but neither of my parents were like strong performers or anything like that. Um, apparently my dad used to play piano, but that was like before I was around. My mom mm-hmm. would like kind of sing in the church, like choir when I was a really little kid. Um, yeah. but they, but they like helped they like realized that I liked it. So I was like playing music and stuff from early on and always like doing mm-hmm. that in, more so than sports. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have siblings? I have one sister. Yeah. She's a little older, Yeah, but she's she, not uh, much of a musician or anything. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So where's, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, well, what did you start playing? You were, were you hitting the piano keys too? Uh, I started, I had like a drum, my, my parents got me a drum kit when I was really little. Um, oh wow! I would just like wail the shit on it. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but then, dude, that's uh, commitment. Like as a parent, that's really something. Yeah, it's like loud as hell too. And our basement had like un- you were probably finished floors, and it was loud as hell. Yeah, I mean, I, and I never got good because I very quickly then swapped to. They bought me a bass guitar like in fourth grade when I yeah. wanted to learn how to play Blink One Eighty Two songs. You know that kind of fucking. Thing. So you got that Mark Hoppus. Bass. Yeah, I got a like a P bass Squire starter kit with the tiny little practice amp that I still have. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'm I'm seeing that Squire behind you. Oh, yeah, maybe it's back there. it is. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. the same same startup. I got a nice little like kickback 25 watt mm-hmm. bass amp. Um, yeah, playing Mark songs was a fucking cool way to yeah. learn how to play the bass, especially you know all of that like upper string stuff like yeah, yeah. i think new order kind of ripped off blink 182 with <laughs> that stuff but yeah probably that's just my opinion yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know usually if it's not uh it's not the parents it's not the older siblings um is there is there a uh an influence in your life that's like the the cool gateway into music or were you discovering it just with your with your friends, were you discovering it yeah, with think, all your fucking fourth grade homies? I think that. I mean, I, you know, there's, I have some cousins that are musicians or music teachers and stuff like that, but um, they're a little bit older. Like, I wasn't like, they weren't peers, um, like, showing me stuff, you know. I think it was just mm-hmm. that I got into skateboarding and, like, playing punk music and shit like that. And uh, yeah we all just kind of were figuring out stuff on our own. People had older brothers that probably fed shit to them. And then that fed to me, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Do you remember, like, do you remember getting into, um, music? Like when we were, when you started writing songs, were you writing like Blink-182 type songs or, um, yeah. I guess when you, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I still have the, the, I have a CDR that we like 
burnt at my buddy's house on his parents' PC of like putting the webcam mic up to the guitar mm-hmm. and like writing a ripoff song. <laughs> That's from awesome. Blink-182 type vibes. It was good. So, um, I guess bring me to to college because that's I guess where where Kieran comes back in. What you where did you guys go? We went to NYU, um, and nice. uh, a bunch of us from our hometown ended up going there um, and still like staying in touch. And um, I went to I was in like the music technology program, and oh, cool. um, that's where I met all the folks that like would become big ups and flagland are like two uh, east coast Hell bands yeah, that dude. were around for a time mm-hmm. um so we I were all very buds. very uh it's marked down here that we must talk about just yeah. the fact <laughs> that you did a split with big ups because that was a band that I, I still love those records yeah they're incredible um yeah those are like some of our best buds and um so like they we all were in college together and they kind of started those bands um and then, like, when I wanted to, I had a different project and when I wanted to start, like, a more punky thing, I was like, oh, I'm just going to start a band that rips off Flagland and Big Ups because they're my friends. Yeah. And, I, like, I'd rather be doing what they're doing than what I'm currently doing. And so that's wow. when I, like, um, you know, got Kieran to, like, hang out and play drums and stuff. But that was actually after, like, co- technically we had graduated. We, like, just graduated and started doing some stuff, so... Yeah, you were doing Slonk Donkerson with Karen. Is that right? Uh, is that the name of a thing on there? A, that's, that's a real band that I think exists, yeah. but I, that's not our band. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, here's here we got we to gotta talk about this. We talked about it a little bit in pre-pro. I used ChatGPT mm. for the research to fill in the details. And you know what? I bragged about it on Twitter. I think like three (laughs) people saw it. Um, and, um, yeah, they took, so chat GPT, it did tell me that you were in Slonk Dockerson and you know what? The timeline wasn't even matching up when you were telling the story. So Skynet is the virus. Everybody like tell, tell Nick Cave he's right about chat GPT. It's (laughs) fucking over for all of us. Yep. Okay. So you, Lion um, trying to trick and sow discord between us, you know. <laughs> um, I'm going to go back to the uh, the music department or the the music technology per, uh, major that you were doing was. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's an interesting uh, term, I suppose, just for a major in general. So I'm guessing it was just recording technologies. What you were interested in, or did was there a more specific? technological thing yeah just it was it was like super broad which was really nice so there was like recording and um production type stuff and there was like electrical engineering courses and like you know we built synths and mics and things like that and um there was like weird like music history but in like 20th century so it's like like, weird shit and like learning about music concrete and tape splicing and things like that was cool Hell yeah. You would love Callie Malone. That's like music cool. concrete. Yeah. Um, I had a big phase with all of that early electronic music. I mean, I guess I still like go back to it as I stare at my copy of John Cage's Silence. <laughs> but fucking, I found at an auction a couple years ago, this stack of volumes that was, um, it was a music journal an experimental music journal that like stockhausen and or stockhausen and another dude edited and i kept it for as long as i could because i sold it for quite a bit of money but it was just i have such an admiration for like the academia of Mm -hmm. that whole world i'm fuck and you were in nyu holy shit that rocks (laughs) it was cool i i did get i like uh, we got to like play with Buchlis and shit, you know, and like took a class yeah. with Sabotnik and like, that was cool. I didn't really appreciate it at the time. I was probably like, yeah, this is cool. I get it. But in retrospect, I was like, oh damn, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's like, that's like, um, teenagers who get famous. And then, so you were in a fucking class with Morton Sabotnik. What was that like? It was cool. We were just, just taught us how to use the Buchla and like how to yeah. like, think weird, <laughs> think about like alternate, uh like paradigms i guess like his whole thing was mm-hmm. was like 
and like the the reason for the bukla existing is like to break away from like the keyboard as a as a limiting interface between you and the music you make and so it's yeah. like how can i make this you know they called it the like uh, electronic easel it's like you're painting with sound kind wow. of thing. getting rid of getting rid of those paradigms that that like you know we use as interfaces to that ultimately limit us and maybe it's limiting in a creative way but it's still like you know it's how you're yeah. interacting with the sound yeah um, so yeah i was wow. just like thinking about weird shit like that it was really cool <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah um i don't know if you've read it but i i brought it up before on the show it's alex ross's book um uh the rest is noise it's 20th century music he's a I heard of it but Times. i have not not read it yeah, I mean, Sick. I I would imagine that for you would be nice, like you know, light like revisiting of <laughs> all of this stuff. But it, I found it to be just very, very, um, I guess going through the pandemic and also, um, you know, I really I recently experienced a bit of um, of mania, um, bipolar disorder. Mm. Um, so I really, really like. Uh, felt so so connected to like Schoenberg and like Twelve Tone and mm. like what all that opened up of this idea of space like in between the notes and mm. that philosophical like exercise yeah. is just so neat so cool to think about yeah totally um do you listen to a lot of um that type of music still do you do you put on like electroacoustic stuff or anything in that space not so much anymore um i mean honestly like i haven't i like fell out of listening to music for like a time which i think is insane but hey that happens stuff that, happens. that's happened to me before yeah for sure yeah but were you I down? Have... I mean, not to. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last. I mean, I mean, probably everybody has. I'm assuming everyone has been some kind of down for the last couple of years. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we. I, I listened to your record a few times, so I. We'll talk about that a little bit yeah. more, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, well, so good. I've been like re-getting into music and stuff, and even before that, I wasn't listening to like as yeah. much like weird art music. You know, I just yeah, uh, totally. I love a riff. You know, love a, a different itch these days. For sure. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, because I've been thinking about it a little bit more lately. But how do you listen to music, like, on your own? I have been actually putting more music onto my phone through iTunes and listening mm. to that as opposed to streaming. Um, for me, that just makes a little bit more sense, because yeah. that's how I stay connected to it i guess but like yeah, yeah. like what's your what's your um listening habit like your you know how do you usually go about doing it yeah yeah no that's that's a good um like way to think about it because you're it's like another paradigm thing it's like you're limiting yourself in a certain way mm -hmm. based on how you're choosing to listen to things yeah um, i most the last couple of years i've mostly just been like um either listening through Bandcamp, like whatever I buy or streaming on Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. um, I also like, you know, rescued an old hard drive that had my old iTunes library. And so now That's I've what been I'm like talking about. cleaning that up and um, I listen to that. Like I don't try not to use iTunes because, or I guess it's just music now, whatever it's called sucks. <laughs> I use like a weird terminal program called CMuse so that I can just point my, uh, my terminal at the hard drive and it's all formatted by folder and artist. And then I just listen to it like that. But dog, I'm um, so happy. I asked that question. <laughs> Mine, my thinking was like, yeah, I'm cool with Spotify. It works for me. Um, but I'm, we're going to talk after the show about that. Cause <laughs> I'm a, I'm a lifer for soul seek. Like I get everything mm, yeah. on. I don't know if you were ever into soul seek, but that's how I fucking built my hard drive. Like, yeah, I feel like <laughs> since I, college. Yeah, totally. And I was like, I, I've just inherited other people's like iPod libraries still. Like I still have, yeah, still have shit that I remember like my, my friend's brother putting on my iPod for me and like showing me like Mogwai for the first time and oh, God's to do yeah, like, yeah, and being yeah. like, this is the most insane shit in the world. And mm -hmm. I still have those 
files on my weird old hard drive hard drive you know like <laughs> yeah dude that rocks um but a- but i mostly stick to well i feel like i also am like listening mostly to music that's like only a couple degrees away from me like in terms of a friend of a friend or yeah, a friend that sure. worked on it or a friend told me about it or mm-hmm. I, we played a show with them or something and so it's like less it's more like that like and therefore i'm like just getting it on Bandcamp or something rather than like looking, looking up random new stuff on Spotify or whatever. Yeah, Not that that's bad. Yeah. I wish I did that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm like starting no, totally. small, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess speaking of like people that you're connected to, you have been putting out full lengths on exploding sound since the beginning, since 2015. Here comes mm-hmm. washer. Um, Talk about a a community where you can really just have a consistent flow of new music just based on people who are involved with it. Um, Yeah. How did you get, how did you meet Dan? Like, how did it come to be Washer's going to put out this record on Exploding in Sound? Yeah. um, We met Dan when we first, I think just like at Shea or something like seeing a show Mm -hmm. and but I remember um, he, he did like worked with big ups and I, my memory is of Nick Dooley from Flagland. Who's like recorded all of our mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. Um, like setting up a meet where Dan and us went to Dooley's house and like chatted about doing press for our tape, which we had like self-released or mm-hmm. we were going to self-release. And so Dan was like down to do press for it. Um, and I don't really remember like why Dooley was like the go between for that and like what in what context they had already started working with Dan, I guess mm-hmm. Flagland or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm not sure. But it, I just remember being it was funny, like going to Dooley's house and being like, we're going to we're going to meet with Dan. He's this cool yeah. label guy. He's going to do press for your tape. And then, then then maybe that'll be an in and then blah, 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 blah. And then I mean, that's exactly what it was yeah, <laughs> the yeah next yeah. time we had stuff to put out dan was down for it so it's, we did before the full length we did splits with big ups and Flagland mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we like we we said that they were like you know co-released by our label which was not a label it was just like a name we used for i our love it band. dude i love and, it dude and, and dan yeah <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing yeah and that's that's a partnership that continues. You're part of that community. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned Shea, uh, Shea stadium, legendary venue in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, right? Yep. See, I grew up on the East coast, so I've been to the original Shea stadium. I've been mm. up to Queens. I yeah. live by an airport now. So that was a wonderful place to see a baseball game, just with planes like flying, almost <laughs> touching your head. Touching your head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you you a Mets fan like through and through, or oh, no? Kier- you said Kieran you don't really is, uh, like the sports as much. But Kieran's I'm not as much of a sport fan. person. Kieran's a huge Mets fan, mm-hmm. and we have a. Uh, I'm trying to learn to like the Phillies because we have a little uh, like a what's it called text group with our other buddy pat from bethlehem steel and uh they're oh, big cool. mess fans and uh-huh. I, I need to be able to shit talk so i need to get better at uh hell yeah about the phillies <laughs> dude I, su- I support the effort i support the effort yeah. um <laughs> yeah i i love that old shea stadium i love the old um veterans stadium in in philly too but just old baseball stadiums are just so fucking neat have yeah. you been to the uh have you been to the newer Shay, because they built one like right across the street, right? The newer actual Shay, like, yeah, the newer actual or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have. Oh, okay. I like that they. I just like that they put the fucking stadium like across the street from the other ones. Yeah. They're still in the flight right. path because that's what <laughs> um, everybody would miss so much about the old one. Um, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, how did you, like, Shea Stadium is one of those places that, you know, if you've been reading Brooklyn Vegan for any amount of time, like, it has a legendary status, and, you know, there are places like that all over the country, so, yeah, like, tell us a bit about about your experience at Shea. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have like no real involvement in. Sh- I mean, we played this the place we've played the most. Yeah. And like we're there all the time and book shows and stuff, but like it wasn't. I wasn't running anything. You know what I mean? We but just, you were booking we're shows. Like, that's that's a thing. Yeah. Right. Well. Nora would book shows. I would approach Nora with a bill to say, "Hey, can uh-huh. we book a check?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or she would put it, or she put together a whole thing, you know. But, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, it was it was like the the locus of like a, a a lot of community, you know. And at the time, that was like twenty fifteen ish through twenty seventeen. Like heyday is like you have Shea and Silent Barn and Palisades and mm-hmm. like a million things going on, and you could go anywhere and see an incredible band, yeah, and like. It was just great. She ruled. It was. It was. I mean, like you'd go there just to hang out, and I'd show up hours beforehand to drink beer and eat pizza before the show, and sit around and chat. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just yeah, great. yeah. It's one of those things that, like, yeah, I'll hear people talk about like places in Chicago, you know, summer camp or um, Margaritaville, um, and or I'll talk to like younger people who weren't there, and it's like just so cool the way that that builds up this just it makes it all feel like so cool and so special and that was just a time of like thriving indie rock too like i Mm -hmm. feel like there was so much excitement about all the bands that were happening in brooklyn yeah yeah definitely we were definitely like around for an interest like starting and like cutting teeth at a very interesting time it was very easy to be inspired by peers you know there's just a million fucking people just crushing it left and right so you're it forces you to be like shit i gotta do something cool now i gotta keep up you know yeah totally is that like kind of the energy that you had with starting things up with with karen yeah definitely yeah it was like i wanted to i had started to write stuff that was a bit like heavier than my old thing and i wanted to mm-hmm. uh i wanted to like play shows with big ups and flagland and then yeah and then totally. branch out you know and then yeah i wanted to play at shea stadium i wanted to do that kind of shit so You've always had really good tone. Um, I I don't know if, like, when you talk about the stuff that you were writing before, like, I'd have to feel like the guitar tone that you found and continue to, like, build on with Washer, that had to just be, like, you discovered something great. Maybe. I Part of that, like, the thing I did before, which was just me... I like was writing more folky type stuff. And then, you know, oh, um, okay. like I was, I had like hired gun buddies in my band. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I had, I didn't like that after a while. I was like, I'd hate having to ask for these favors. It feels weird. Even though like they were all, I mean, some of the, it was Dooley from Flagland and mm-hmm. other people, you know, yeah. um, we're, we're, we're always down, but I didn't like that. And so moving to Washer and asking Kieran was like, well, I don't, I want to be as reliant on as little people as possible. So if it's just us two, uh-huh. how do I fill that out? So I feel like the tone stuff like came from that of me needing to figure out a way to be interesting and not and write songs and sound a certain way that didn't feel like it was lacking because I knew that like I didn't want anybody else. I didn't want to have to recall, to call on anybody else, and therefore yeah. there's not going to be a bass player. So I need to make something that is interesting and full on its own you know why no bass player i mean i understand kieran and you but the third is it was there just not somebody that made sense or no i just think we just i just the songs were didn't i mean there are a few songs that are written as like a trio or or more Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. every now and then we'll play them and have a buddy sit in but most of them are like purposefully written without without that i mean for the most part it's all rhythm parts right i'm not like a lead player that's right. like missing some some body below it you know mm-hmm. it's uh it's mostly rhythm parts everything's tuned down so that it's like way beefier to begin with i yeah. play through two amps and i eq them differently so they kind of cover a wider spectrum so it's kind of like yeah. went at it on purpose to to not need that you know what i mean i feel like adding yeah. a bass to a bunch of those songs would just be like I mean, some of it's cool, but it would just be like, what are you going to play the root notes and double up what I'm already doing? Doesn't seem yeah, yeah. necessary. I, I remember 
I remember Ira from Yola Tango talking about like his approach to guitar solos and like feedback was well how am I gonna cover this space if it's just a trio Mm -hmm. so you know I make something that's so big and so wild that you know all I have to do is just like be near the notes Mm -hmm. and I am thinking about your because yeah it is like something that I really do love about your band is that those just riffs just go and they cover so much i've never seen you in a live setting so tell me a little bit about the amp setup like you know not to get too technical but do you have like what's the i what's the ideal it's uh it's been the same thing for a long time it's just i either play guitar or bass depending on the song and i run it through i have like a russian big muff like the older black Mm -hmm. one um, and, uh, an ABY pedal and then, uh, a like knockoff, build your own clone, like not a tube screamer, but some other Ibanez distortion yeah. thing yeah. I built years ago. Um, and so the same signal goes, the same signal goes to both amps and then the bass signal gets, uh, that additional Ibanez knockoff distortion. And then nice. it's just a, a Roland JC seventy seven and a like a SWR piece of shit bass amp running through a <laughs> one by fifteen, and I just crank the fucking bass and um, yeah, let let the guitar be a little crispier. I almost always only play on the bridge pickup. Um, Hell yeah! If, if it's the guitar, and then it's just kind of fills everything in, and then Kieran's just wailing away on like big Tom shit most of the time, so it's fills it out dude i love that um what do you tune down to um most of the songs are in d standard Uh uh-huh so it's the same you know same relationship but down a whole step and then a few of the songs are in like open c fuck yeah dude yeah i think sleater kenny is c sharp and cool i'm thinking no bass no bass. Yeah, fucking all just, all just, bridge are all neck pickups too, big time. Yeah, do you have like a yeah, yeah. you got a P ninety situation going on, or is that too much? Uh, honestly, I bought this guitar for a hundred something dollars because my, my friend needed to pay for his cat to be put on the plane with him when he was leaving town, and um, so it's like a shitty strat. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. It's got a. It's got like a humbucker thing at the at the uh bridge pickup mm-hmm. and it's fine <laughs> i love this shit i love this i'm not shit. i'm not uh i'm not i've never been like despite going for recording and stuff i'm like not a gear mm-hmm. head or at least not like i don't spend money on shit yeah even like that big russian big muff that i that is like the sound of washer is this one fucking pedal like for any time a big thing happens in the the big beefy shit kicks in is just a hand me down from my brother-in-law. Like I just happened to have that amp when I, or that pedal when I decided to try making shit like dude, hell yeah. About using leftover garbage. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking awesome. Um, super inspiring too. I'm looking at the fucking, you know, hundred dollar made in Mexico telecaster that I bought like <laughs> a year ago and then haven't had it set up. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Um, get it dude it's fucking inspiring <laughs> it, it is inspiring um and yeah that's all so um you are you also do a split with um the fucking homie past and future guest becca raskalchik from bethlehem steel now i know becca yep. did some stuff at uh shay too because i re- i remember yep. talking to her about doing sound and stuff like that i'm becca yep. just part of the whole part of the whole family you meet playing part shows of the family fucking awesome yep. yeah met playing shows she's married to uh nick dooley who tracks all our records yeah and uh like absolutely some of my best friends in the world um love her to death and uh, yeah, she sings on a few tracks uh, on our new record, and we did that split, and yeah, yeah, that split is she's fucking incredible, fucking awesome. I love that band so much. 
Um, they rule. Last time I saw Becca when, when I was still doing interviews in person, and I got her. I got her emotional because I told her how proud <laughs> I was of her. She's like, you got me again. <laughs> um, big ups to the homie. I love I love Polish people from Buffalo. Like as a lifelong Goodalls <laughs> fan, like I just I get to I get to know Becca. That's that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, fuck yeah, she rules. Um, so new ways to deteriorated ends is the name of the new washer record. It's. And on exploding in sound. Improved means to deteriorated ends. <laughs> the new. Did you get fucked by the computer again? Not fucked by the computer again. <laughs> fucked by. Um, we had a power outage this morning. Like I had to go across town for coffee, and a bummer. You know what? We're fucking leaving it in, dude. I'm not doing any chopping up. Fuck it. I don't think that it's going to ruin this episode personally. So, <laughs> oh, dude, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I just thought I was. I thought I had a gotcha on the computer again. <laughs> yeah, you sure? You certainly do. You certainly do have a big gotcha. This is the gotcha moment. Of better yet, and it's all because I didn't spend <laughs> four hours researching how to have a conversation with a person who I clearly was born to be pals with um, <laughs> improved means to deteriorated ends got the email from dan up now so it's big and bold right in nice. front of my um <laughs> right in front of my eyes and you went you went up to mar uh to vermont to make this with nick dooley yep and he's mm-hmm. how long has he had that space up in vermont years now i mean he he grew up there. Yeah. So it's the barn that of the property where he grew up. Uh, and so when we first were going up there to record, it was like still a barn with a fucking lawnmower and shit like that. We'd like build a little temporary uh-huh. recording space. And now they live there and it's like a, they like built a house and it's like part recording studio, part house. It's crazy. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. You go up. Sick. <laughs> um, I was doing a nice little walk around my neighborhood before we talked. Did you get to um, get some nature in? As a city person, I feel like when you're able to just like go and breathe that in, it especially when you're in a creative process, it has to be so energizing. Yeah, yeah, it rules. Their their property is like a little rural outside of a small town or whatever, and so you just like look out the window or have your coffee and sit in a chair off and they're like rolling hill that leads down to a creek before a mountain across the God, across yeah. the way mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty wild where are you living in philly right now i'm in old kensington oh okay um yeah i'm like really close to where uh i'm like five minutes from johnny brenda's is the big big yeah. venue Fuck and yeah. uh everybody hits is like the diy venue that used to be down the block that i loved yeah that kind of thing oh my goodness i love that because it's like you know setting you up for like yeah, I live in, you know, there's a there's so much garbage on the streets like compared to oh, the, yeah. the scene that you just described, but it's like no, it's still like fucking beautiful in its own way. I mean, there's trees on my block. It's yeah, nice. It's yeah. not as rural as Vermont, <laughs> but I still love it. <laughs> so um, you know, it's it's cool especially speaking to like what we talked about with your guitar tone cuz I'm listening to this record and you know, I recently had a conversation with your label mate Rick McGuire um in pile and he described going up to um a barn type of recording studio and uh his experience up there was doing a lot of multi-tracking and doing a lot of like sound collage stuff and listening to your record that you made up in a barn in vermont it's like cool two guitars like so tight everything is locked in i don't i feel like i don't hear an overdub on this thing yeah it's funny too because this is the most we've done but yeah (laughs) like it's the most overdubs we've done but but that is like what the vibe is it's like i don't ever we've always not wanted recordings to match what the band is like live you know what i mean yeah it's easy to like make a record especially as a two-piece make like a full-fledged record that's like produced and like complicated and then like be unable to 
replicate it live without like a computer and shit like that mm-hmm. or like 10 people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've always kind of just documented our sets. Um, but for this one, there's like way more double tracked guitars with like alternate takes and a bunch yeah. of harmonies from myself and from Becca. And like, there's, it's the most layering we've done, but you're, but especially like you're talking about, you know, uh, like pile doing their shit up upstate New York or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that album is like a like sonic artwork, right? There's like 10,000 layers yeah. and it's yeah. all kinds of incredible. Like there's, it's a much different, mm-hmm. uh, much different thing despite me also trying to like <laughs> layer like, on and layer really, on. <laughs> really layer on. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I guess then I just have to like applaud the, the crispness of, it because so yeah we've got um it does just sound like you know you do a live take and then you do the guitar on the other side um but i love that i love that so much work went into something that uh presents so simply because i think that Mm -hmm. um you know as a record this is really to me, it's your best showcasing of your songwriting. You're telling great stories on this. Like, um, it just, I'm, I get emotional now whenever I think of like people being able to like make records again. Um, Mm. so I guess I just, I can feel just the amount of practice that went into Mm. it, you know? And it's like, it just, it just, it's, it's great to see. I hope you feel fucking Thanks, good about it. <laughs> I do. I do. I mean, we did. Yeah, we worked our butts off for it and like wanted to be as tight as we could. And like, yeah, wanted it to be as like as intentional as we could could make it. Mm-hmm. So even though we're like, it's still just like a two piece rock band. It's like, but I'm putting so much <laughs> I'm putting so much effort into this thing but i still want it to be simple in a way because i'm like i think that's the the thing we do most strongly is sort of like point out that like power in simplicity you know like we're keeping shit as simple as we can like even like musically and also as a band logistically but we are still trying to like have an impact and like get real emotion across or you know that kind of thing yeah dude i'm it's it I think that there's this really nice thing that happens when you have you know words that are direct and they speak to experience and they're also just placed atop music and you have a great way of like extending your voice into just making these melodies that have a really, really nice, like, personal, like, twist on them that mm. I think just, it's, I just always think about, like, Burt Bacharach songs and, like, how those lyrics are just, like, so, so fucking precise. And mm. it comes from a lot of fucking work. Were you editing? Yeah. A lot? Were you, uh, yeah, some, and some of those are, like, years and years old. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, oh, well, yeah. I fucking, lyrics are so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like, work so hard on some or cut them up, or like the song will exist for years without lyrics because I can't fucking settle on what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But then other ones are like, oh, cool. I just, I just did it an hour before we recorded. Yeah. And, and like, that's what it is now. That's the song now. It's like, that, that's fine. So it's like both, both can be good. You can, you can let, you can like, uh, you can ease up on yourself and like let let it just kind of come out and mm-hmm. decide that that's going to be what it's going to be and like not o- obsess about it but also sometimes obsessing about it leads to yeah. good shit <laughs> totally i think the um line that got me on the whole record was we had plans to give a dog a bone it's just like <laughs> um yeah, something so something so small, like, and yep. I love it. Starts out king, king insignificant. 
what's um i guess there's to me it's like there's this there's this narrative i think that exists with just a band like yours where it's like this is a band's band making a band's band record that they've been practicing for a long time and i i you know it's there's that i think component to reading into the lyrics and then there's also just like man i've been i've been here i've been here before (laughs) you know Mm. personally (laughs) yeah yeah i think i don't know a lot of the lyrics are like like it's clearly kind of about making music and being in a band but i i don't i didn't want it to be too much of that it's easy like that's my go-to is like if i can't write a song write a song about how i'm mad about how i can't write a song it's mm-hmm. like you're up your own ass about it and that isn't always enjoyable you know tough to get um, out of your own ass too very very <laughs> tough but uh but i think we're it's not like that's not the only shit that i'm my brain is dealing with but this is how i'm like exercising those things so it's like those that feeling of like stagnation or like difficulty expressing yourself or wanting to do something more, whatever, like is like fucking universal. Everybody feels that, especially after being fucking cooped up the last two and a half, three years or whatever it is, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So I think there's, it's like relatable in that sense without being, you don't have to be a fucking, you know, jaded 10 year old band to relate to (laughs) what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cheap Therapy, you know, the last song on that record, I, I've i been sharing this more and more on the podcast that I, you know, I'm recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I could just, mm-hmm. f- like, feel so much of just what you were saying and how you were addressing, like, what was going on in your head. Um, yeah. So there's that Thanks. need to tell you and also the, like, good, how how are you doing, man? yeah yeah clearly um working through things uh but good yeah i mean that's i think that the song and the title itself is like really gives away which is something that i'm not sure how healthy it is to like entirely rely on your art as your therapy it's it's not Mm -hmm. probably healthy you know or whatever your thing is maybe it's not art but whatever your the thing you care about is right um Mm but it is like totally how many of us get through our shit. So it's like, yeah, I want to talk about it and like point out its importance to me, but I know that it's like also not healthy to rely on it only as, as your only outlet. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, yeah. Therapy is good for people. I'm on a waiting list at the moment for a person and like that kind of thing. Fuck yeah, (laughs) Uh, dude. Yeah um we'll see yeah but (laughs) i'm hoping that that comes through quick for you because i got put on a waiting list and it um came through quick for me and it's a difference that i've actually been able to experience like documenting in in just the conversations that i'm having um yeah so it takes a lot to 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 do the reach out i'm really proud of you for doing it thanks man yeah it's it's uh and everybody's like so fucking different too it's hard you know, you want to talk with your buds yeah and find out what's going to work or what's been working for them and like kind of base your own next moves off of that but also like everybody's so fucking different and yeah reacts so differently to different kinds of help you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's such a process to figure out what's what's going to work for you yeah. what's going to be healthy or not you know yeah i mean that's fucking great that you you you're able to see some change for yourself with the diagnosis or whatever like you're you're able to put a pin on something and then start to notice improvement or not you know based off of just having some grounding then to be like you know i'm not flailing like what the fuck is going on right to have an answer of like maybe this is what's going on Mm -hmm. that's like great you know yeah i think one of the things that i've learned in my years of you know being a person that has gone in and out of um you know therapy or mental health um outreach is 
that if there's something that you think is wrong and then you think about it being wrong a lot, it's probably because it's wrong. Like things aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, and when, what my experience has been in just a few weeks of like having some corrective, um, you know, uh, movement is that I don't think about things the way that I used to, because that thing that was wrong with me is being taken care of. So it's not like Mm -hmm. I'm no, you know, if you're stuck in that, if you're stuck in that paradigm, um, with whatever it is, um, you know, it is, um, it's important to, to check in with yourself or to check in with your people and say, you know, how are you? Do you think about this weird thing that I think about all the time? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Um, so by the time this conversation is out, the record will be out. Um, it's, you know, obviously so much has changed um, in, in terms of being in a band right now, but I think a, a big difference is that you're a professional person. And I think being in a band for a lot of us is sort of keeping it going as you're doing other things with your life. So I guess, you know, this music has functioned for you as a form of therapy. And I guess now you have a you know, you have a stable job, you're doing software engineering, which fucking hell yeah for you. Um, I guess, ha- has being in a band become more fun? Or is it the same amount of fun? Or like, how do you, how do you compartmentalize it now compared to the last time you released a record? Um, yeah, it's, it's more fun. It's always been fun. Uh, the last couple of years have made me realize like how important it is. I always knew that it was important, but it maybe felt like this is just what you do. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm in my twenties and I'm doing whatever. And now I'm about to be 33 and it's like, in fact, I want to do this more. I want to do this way more than cool. I care about mm-hmm. any of the other things, you know, the, that sort of like COVID reset of like, none of this shit matter. Like, to be honest with you, like I, I'm very grateful to have the job I have. Uh, I've had a full-time job the entire time we've been a band. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I've never been like a real fucking punk road dog. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I, when I was younger, I probably felt more bad about it because it's like, like now's when you should like take risks or whatever. Um, Back then, you know? And, and, and so I always felt like down on myself about that. And then like with COVID shit, I was so grateful to have a job that, you know, I could still get through. And I had friends that lost their jobs and didn't have ways to make money and for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I skirted that. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, but I don't care. I would quit tomorrow. I don't give a fuck about software engineering at all. It's not like it's yeah. just money. Like mm-hmm. it's all this shit is just money. I would so much rather like make things all day long, yeah. you know, if I could. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But so I'm, that's that I'm like going forward is just like, how do we, and Kieran is in a similar position, I think, where it's like, we love this and we want to continue to figure out how we can do this in a healthy way. And so that means like letting it take priority over certain things, but not enough to like fuck up our lives mm-hmm. by going, it's a stupid idea at 33 to be like, I'm going to be a fucking full-time touring musician in the year 2023. Yeah. It's like, that's never going to fucking happen, my dude. Like, <laughs> keep your job, but figure out how to like keep a job that doesn't make you absolutely miserable and allows you time to work on your shit throughout the day if you can or, yeah. or after or whatever it is, you know. It's and it's a pretty cool way to plan a vacation and like just breathe <laughs> it in and and be like, cool, I can do this for exactly the right amount of time at a time, and then. Yeah it's cool that I don't have to like ask somebody if they can cover my shifts, you know, while I'm gone yeah. <laughs> and I, and I totally. don't work at all. So it's fucking awesome, dude. I'm excited for you to have, um, you know, all this exciting stuff coming up. It looks like it's going to be a really fun summer for you. Um, yeah, got a bunch of, bunch of shows in the works and some more for, uh, the fall. So should be pretty solid. Hell yeah. Maybe if you guys aren't busy, WrestleMania weekend, washer dryer, think it would be fucking sick i'm down (laughs) hell yeah dude thanks for coming on yeah thank you man appreciate it 
Stellar. Stellar work. Equal parts yeah. 